Marijuana keeps my family at home. So joyful and happy, yeah. When money leaves them down and so depressed and unhappy, yeah.
Project on 101.5 UMFM. This is Ashley Bienyaj. Today I am here with Kumaran Reddy from Silly Sib Funghai. Hi. Hello, how are you doing? <laughs> Good, and you? Very well. Good, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Uh, this is going to be fun. So tell everyone uh, who's listening uh, a little bit about yourself. Well, born and raised in Africa. I'm an Indian African, and uh, this is the 60s we're talking about now, and uh, people were fleeing fleeing Africa okay. and we were no different so uh, we made it from South my parents made it from South Africa to Zambia and uh, they picked me up along the way in southern Rhodesia we thought they were there I was born there and we moved to Lusaka Zambia which is a city about size of here mm-hmm. yeah, except for we had a chicken coop and you know it's kind of rural looking in a city 60s in Africa Quite a different picture. And uh, then came the big day uh, to move to England. But prior to that, when we were in uh, in Zambia, where my dad got involved with the African National Congress back at the beginning of all of that, Nelson Mandela and all of this. Oh, wow. And so because he was afforded an education uh, when people of his descent weren't given educations, he got an education, so we had a way out. Through, through that, through work, mm-hmm. being an educator. So when we got to Zambia, people were escaping at that time from South Africa, and they would come up through a pipeline, the Underground Railway, to our house. And they'd oh, wow. be, So we'd wake up often with strangers in our house. The next day you're not in bed, you go to bed, but you wake up on the couch and meet people there, and then they go off the next day to the next part of the journey to leave. So eventually we left ourselves and went to London for 1970, mm-hmm. which is where my younger sister was born, saw a man land on the moon, and got pretty excited, so we're in England, and uh, young kid, uh, racism was erupting heavily in England now at this point, so we just went from escaping it in Africa, and mm-hmm. full frontal in England, it was brutal, I had no idea any of this was going on until I got to England, and I was slightly old enough to be aware that there was things going on yeah. that I had no clue as being a child, so that happened, that was, that was, a, that was a game changer. And then we had, uh, two years later, uh, we moved. And we had two job offers. One was in New York, 
in New York itself, or the Paul Manitoba. <laughs> Two job offers, so dad picked the Paul Manitoba. Yeah. Off we go to Northern Manitoba. Why did he pick Manitoba? Uh, well, he was in education, and that's actually what he did in, Lo in London, was teaching English as a second language, was his specialty. Mm -hmm. So he was uh, educating immigrants into the new language of the new land so they could function in the new land. Yeah. So that was his specialty. And then when he came here, it was native children going into an English school, mm -hmm. not speaking the language of the school. So that is, it just applied, it, it just rolled over to that. Okay. So then he became uh, the principal of the elementary school that I went to. Oh, wow. And as soon as I got out of that, and my mom was teaching home ec at the junior high school I went to. So you gotta imagine that. You always had eyes on you. Yeah, like you didn't get home and the story's already at the house, man. Yeah. It was brutal. It was so brutal. But, and I wasn't, you know, I was, you know, doing things, <laughs> whatever yeah. it was. But uh, that's where Tim Butler was raised mm -hmm. in the Paw of Manitoba. His okay. family's from there. So our families know each other since 1971. Oh, wow. Right. So wow. I sat beside Tim Butler in junior high school playing trumpet beside Tim. Oh, really? Yeah. And he actually played guitar then as a child pretty much as he does now. Mm -hmm. Like he didn't grow that much since then. <laughs> I was just saying, he was like that then. You know, he was in the like little room in the back with the marshal making horrendous noise in the band room sort of thing mm -hmm. even then. Yeah. So uh, all that to say, we were there, the only East Indian family in town, uh, orange, bright fluorescent orange station wagon, mm -hmm. lime green fence, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. It was just like, it was well ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but uh, everyone grew to love the family in town and mom made a lot of friends and mom and dad there. Uh, we had a, an uncle and aunt come, one of my dad's brothers come to stay with us, um, to immigrate here and then start there. They eventually moved to Calgary and got into the oil money and the banking money. But she was, a, my auntie was a piano teacher, so that was my oh, wow. first round of piano lessons. I had a little harmonica, melodica thing. I was tooting on that, and then we, I got a guitar mm -hmm. because the local dial, which was Radio Shack, the little electronic store, somebody smashed in there one night, and there was a guitar in the front window, and it kind of got damaged, so then I could afford this damaged first Aldega Strat copy electric guitar. I was in Over the oh, Moon, wow. electric guitar. Wow. Uh, playing trumpet to school, starting to read and write music, learn. Mm -hmm. So it all just blew out of that, having a piano teacher in the house yeah. and having lessons. And you know, I took private guitar lessons from the only Trinidadian little lady in town who was the piano organ teacher across town. But she also taught, well, she just taught whatever. Yeah. She was the general music teacher in town. So I was taking some little Alfred's first, you know, guitar so that's really how it started and then uh, i was playing trumpet by junior high and then we we're out of there off to the big city fort richmond collegiate bound right yeah band like the big city yeah or of anderson big you know yeah. they have a big band program when i was there it was pretty much silver rights uh -huh. or uh or fort richmond those were the big and uh, which sent me to ottawa for oh, wow. nationals winning and you know optimus festival was a wow. big thing every year so i met count basie and i met doc severson in that same trip and uh the guitar player what's the old blacker freddie green um count basie's guitarist the guy like never took a solo in the entire time he played you know it was just chink -a chink -a, you know and i don't even think he used an app actually <laughs> it was just like sitting <laughs> in count basie's band chunking away doing this old 1930s style never doing anything this is in the 70s already he still hadn't progressed mm -hmm. you know things are happening so what kind so, of music were you playing at that point well uh my parents never knew woodstock happened like i didn't know because i wasn't old enough and they didn't know because they weren't plugged into anything. Like so, yeah. they they went through 1969, 70 into. I don't think they even 
like till 20, 30, 40 years later knew that Woodstock happened. What was it Woodstock? What was it about? Who played? Who's the music? But they did have Nana Mashkuri albums. We had uh, um, Ravi Shankar records in the house. We had Harry Belafonte records. We had... And I, I'm sorry, I don't know who those are. Oh, okay. <laughs> so those are all pretty big. Uh, the In the Jungle, the Mighty Jungle. Okay. That's Maria Makiba, okay. right? Her husband was Hugh Masalka, was a trumpet player. They might have had maybe one Miles Davis record, one of the pop ones, not the heavy jazz ones. So they were, they were. I don't know, Ravi Shankar is the biggest uh, sitar player in the world. Anushka Shankar is his daughter, tours now. So that's who the Beatles went to go over there. It's Ravi Shankar, all that, right? So mm -hmm. that's all with the, that's. So these were big artists of the day, but more pop and sort of yeah. you know reader's digest family pop they weren't there was no <laughs> jim morrison there was no Jimi hendrix i didn't know any of those things till the radio there was the beach boys maybe mm -hmm. or gene pitney or something <laughs> said, oh, these names are like uh, dating it but so there was a diverse uh, musical palette going around and then plus you know it's classical band is you know Western classical and pop mm -hmm. and, and that. So that's really where it came from. It took me really get up to high school or past before people were listening to cool music and I discovered psychedelics and all this kind of stuff. And then it was like, oh my God, this is a whole world out there, right? And then, and that was it. There was no yeah. looking back, right? Mm -hmm. So, then. so in high school, you started um, moving yeah. towards psychedelics? Um, yeah. Well, the band director was heavy, Orv Anderson. I got to credit him for really. Because I spent a lot of high school actually doing LSD and not going to classes. But as long as I was in the band room <laughs> practicing, doing constructive music, no one would rat me out. Yeah. You go in there, fool around, throw stuff around, whatever, you're ratted out. But so at one point in high school, they were going to uh, hold me back on, uh, on uh, attendance or whatever it is. But my marks were stellar, right? Mm. So I just managed to squeak it over with, uh, with all of it and, and, and you know, get a high school diploma and get out of there and, and all that. But uh, in that band room, he had stuff like Tower of Power and all, all of these, like, you know, Earth, Wind, and Fire. And I'd never heard all this stuff. It was like, oh, my God, listen to these horns and all this crazy music, you know. Mm -hmm. and, then, uh, and then shortly after, I figured out who the Grateful Dead were. And then Jimi Hendrix and all that was coming on strong for me. So that, that just opened the floodgates to all. And I was already uh, getting some help with jazz from the freaky jazz guys. So I'd already had a heavy jazz education before I even discovered the proper rock and roll stuff. So I was already into Miles Davis and Coltrane and Mingus and right back to Fletcher Henderson in the thirties. And then listening to all of, uh, Sam Rivers and the weirdo New York stuff with Sun Ra and all the, you know, the weird, the stuff that even the jazz people aren't listening to these days. Cause it's too strange. Right. Yeah. I was, I did, it was just like listening to it and had access to it and was getting tuition in that from uh, Vladimir Stamosko, actually. Oh, he wow. used to be the librarian at the, the, the music library for yeah. years, right? Mm -hmm. He's got one of the largest private collections of anybody I know for reel-to-reels that he made himself in the 60s in New York and around when he was curator of Rutgers University and also his uh, vinyl collection. But here again, here's another one. I don't want to say anything bad about that. But he's, he's like stuck in a certain genre and thing. And like those guys are like, we don't play tunes. We don't even play structure, you know, like, and I, I like a good beat. You know, I know about hip hop. I, I've, I borrow from all the genres. I'm not so, so purist about my stuff that, are, you know, I can culturally appropriate anything or musically appropriate anything I want. And it's fine. Mm -hmm. There's no, there's no ownership to any of that stuff. So people who are trying to put that. You know, I've got this one jam that I do on my nine-string sitar guitar. I've tuned it to a D A D A D D A D, so drone it and it drones. And I do this thing called powwow jam, 
and then I always want to put images of jingle dancers with it and stuff in video and people get right down my throat about it you can't do that you can't it's sacred or whatever it is they tell me about it that I can't why I can't do it and I'm like I don't get it I, don't, I really don't get it like uh, we all borrow it's all borrowed it's all going on and evolving and you take and build on it and if something is so sacred that you aren't allowed I'm suspicious right away Mm-hmm. Being 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 a hardcore atheist and stuff, scientist, yeah. mathematician, physicist, astronomer, chemist, that leads me to you know I've got respect mm-hmm. for all kinds of things, but I don't I'm I'm not fairy tailing it I'm yeah. you know I'm interested in you know as a musician right so, yeah yeah so then what was your first band or when were you like, oh, actually is, in yeah. a group so I'm up in the paw. And uh, Rob Grant, his parents owned uh, the little grocery store, mm-hmm. right? So he's, he's a rich kid because he's got a part-time job. He's, he works at the store. He's got the first little 8-track that records. Oh, my God. He's got a little, the garage got a little pool table in there, right? And a little mm-hmm. stereo. Oh, my God. We don't even have, we don't have any of these things, right? <laughs> so we're over at Rob's, and now he's, I'm going to be the bass player. You've got the guitar. I forget who the store. So we form Nighthawk. We get a T-shirt made. Uh, I must have been, like, 13, 14, 13, <laughs> the coolest 12. thing in the yeah. world. We got a t-shirt, they're red, it says Nighthawk, it's got my name on it, right? And uh, we get a gig on the, the reserve half hour out of town. I don't even know who did this or why or what. So we go there and I remember they cook us a meal. Oh, wow. So this is like, oh, you get food. So you're going to expect food. that every time. Yeah, like you get food when you play. So we play our, and, and we're playing BTO, right? Taking care of business. Yeah. I think that we might have had two songs. They're both probably BTO songs. One was Taking Care of Business for sure. We play our two songs to the elementary school on the reserve. They feed us and we go home. So, so what, what genre <laughs> was, this, was this group? It was a rock band. Rock band. Yeah, it was like, Have you know, always... there was Doobie Brothers was going on. BTO yeah. was big. You know, the Guess Who was happening. Mm-hmm. That was kind of what was going on. Right? Mm-hmm. So, and once you kind of, so when you first started experiencing rock, you just, it's always been a rock band since then? Well, I was already playing trumpet and jazz band at school, right? Yeah. And then playing French horn and concert band too. So like, so then that was a natural progression. You know, when I get home and I get to just plunk and make whatever sounds, now rock was starting to, sneak in. yeah, I was, you know, I was yeah. getting, the, getting, getting, well, because the other guys knew more. So they're like, they didn't come there saying, let's play uh, my favorite things. They're like, let's play the song, three chords, show you how we learned it, whatever. So that's, that's, and then once I got to the city, uh, didn't have a band at that point, but I was writing a couple songs in grade 12. Oh, here's a good story. So I'm in grade 12 and Mid-Ocean Studio just opened. Oh, really? Brand new. Right, so it's going on. They've got the big reel-to-reel, the two twenty-four track machines or something, or one twenty-four point that, and then so uh, I'm, I'm like, oh, uh, I met Steve Bell somehow. So here comes Steve Bell, Gary Brenner on keyboards. I get Gary. I, I got. I write this song, Chainsmoker, about despising cigarettes, and uh, I decide I'm going to go in the studio. Somebody hypes me up to go record it. So I get $500 or $200 or whatever, 100 like, I don't even know how I got the money. And, and, and I've got to pay these guys, turns out, and uh, go in the studio and record these two songs. So it's John Hudson on drums. I don't know if you know who John Hudson is, but he lives in a hippie town, out of town somewhere. He's a photographer, drummer guy, kind of a character. <laughs> and uh, so he's the drummer. Bill Spornitz on saxophone. If you know who Bill Spornitz is, he's huge. He's with Graham Shaw. You know too many people. I know, it's terrible. Look these ones up, though, because they're they're heavyweights. Steve Bell, 
the big Christian, huge Steve Bell, big Steve Bell, he, he came and played for me too. And I forget who was on bass, some other monster, and I play guitar. So these guys go in the studio, I record my little thing, it's on Reel to Reel, I record that song, uh, and that was it, man. Like yeah. Now, at that point, I was getting uh, cassette decks. I had two cassette decks, I'd record on one, I had a small mixer, and then I'd plug it in, I'd play it, and add the next track, and put it, and go back. Then I got the first four track. That was it, man. <laughs> I just like would obsess over recording from that moment on till today. And in fact, uh, up to that, I probably have 10 cases uh, uh, of what do you call milk crates of, of, of cassettes. I don't play them anymore or whatever. One day I hope to go through the library and just see what's in there, but uh, probably never Move even get to it. Move to the cloud one day? I guess because it's a manual process. But uh, I mean, I diligently for 25 years probably recorded on cassette like a madman, you know. Like, no, it's not going anywhere. Yeah, well, you know, like that was the media and that's what yeah. you could do. I didn't even have the four-track reel-to-reel. It was always a four-track cassette and mm -hmm. whatever. And uh, and uh, then, uh, oh, yeah, then I uh, got into Inner Rhythm. The uh, reggae man, they're still existing, Jeff Diamond and whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, right. so I was the original creator of Inner Rhythm. It was, uh, we rehearsed at my house. I had the van. I owned the PA. I booked the gigs. I did all the production, I did all the stuff, and I was the bass player. Yeah. And eventually it all went south, and I was kicked out of the band. Uh, so, uh -huh. And the band went on. So, and I moved out of town and all stuff, whatever. Yeah, so, that was okay. Yeah. So now, so now you're in Silly Sib Fung Hai. Right. Really interesting name. Right. Um, how long has Silly Sib Fung Hai it, been a thing? It actually, Hard Fast created in the 90s. Okay. That name came, it stayed. And so, basically... Is it always the same people? No, this is the thing. It was a, it's a, I'd say it's more a group of material, a set of material that I have. Okay. And then if you happen to be around that day and I'm playing that material, you're still a sub fungi for that day. So, But, yeah, I, I have had actual, like I was in Montreal for a, a bunch of years and in Vancouver for a bunch of years, and I had a certain couple guys there that I worked with regularly then. Hadn't been the digital age and the Internet age, so all the documentation's not like it is what I do now because yeah. the equipment wasn't really available for that like other than the cassettes. And then uh, and in Montreal, I had a really good set of guys behind me for a while, and that, that kind of went on. It was fun. At one point, I actually had two drum set drummers, two bass players, a keyboard player, and then I played guitar and sang, and it was all my originals. So I, I've still got this thing of the double trio, two drums, you know, the Allman Brothers, Grateful Dead, whatever. But two bass players, too. The one guy was all woofy and, and low, and the other guy was like a tack bass with all the uh, high-end and, and, and effects. It was, so they really blended. But it was like you'd come into a club with two drum sets, two bass amps, and, you know, sound guys looking at you, the club guy. It, it didn't last long. <laughs> but it was fun for a minute. Yeah. And uh, since I've been back here in 2000, I've gone through a couple iterations. So for the last... Two years, I've had Kim Russell on bass and the Russell family, Bob Russell, and there's brothers, three brothers. They're all professional musicians, so you know, quite a bit. So they, they've, they've got a long standing, like a St. Germain or something like that, the Russells. Okay. So Kim Russell on bass. And I had Rob Bush uh, of uh, River City Heritage. Uh, he's played around a bunch of cover bands and other stuff around town. For, he was my main guy. And then two Saturdays ago when Sheldon, the director of Fire and Water, calls me up, says, hey, uh, okay, we're going to hire you guys, blah, we talk it up, and I uh, get off the phone, and two hours later, I get a phone call, it's Rob, hi, where are you, I'm in the hospital, oh, what happened, I woke up in the hospital, they, uh, I was in an accident, on my motorcycle, on a scooter, 
I don't know where the scooter is, and I don't know where the accident happened, but I'm in the hospital, and now I'm conscious. And I got a broken hand, and this and that, and whatever. Can't play. So, first thing I get is seven gigs. They're all confirmed. Finally, all happens. And then uh, I get the call, like, literally. Yeah, yeah. So, but... Uh, Benny Debra is my new drummer. He stepped up. We've rehearsed him, broke him in already, and uh, he's going to be doing these gigs. So Benny is actually an amazing, amazing drummer. And uh, it's an unfortunate set of circumstances for Rob, for me, for the band, for mostly for Rob because he's uh, off work and, you know, he injured himself pretty seriously. Mm-hmm. And uh, the fate of his playing is unknown or when return date for playing is unknown, right? Yeah. So that's a big deal. But uh, luckily I've got a really heavyweight sub, Good. Benny. Good. Yeah. Not lucky. Um, yeah. Huge. So for, for the listeners, what just can you describe the music that you guys, that I you can. make? I can. We I've got a strong love for reggae music, but because I'm not religious in any way, mean or form, I don't cater to that uh, calling or preaching. My love of reggae music is the music itself and the way it goes. The and feeling I'm, and the yeah, beat. yeah, yeah. So my content won't be about jaw and this and that, but it will be about uh, human stuff. And so on, and, and things that will mean something to people. And uh, I identify with like HR, Human Rights, that band, Human Rights, mm-hmm. you know, because that was the seminal black punk reggae and then cutting the way to Sublime. So I'm very much like that. Three piece, not so tippity swingy, elevatory, but heavy in your face, but roots still, still dub and reggae, but like three piece, you know, uh, like three piece you know giant big bass big drums big guitar but all the components of you you'd recognize as reggae it's not like a stretch where it's you know heavy metal reggae or something but although lots of guitar because i am a guitarist and all my music is vehicles for uh soloing and interacting so basically my format so your jazz yeah a lot a lot so that's why i say frank zappa because we delve into so many rhythms it could be a mambo it could be you know like i'm using officially all the language of the music i read and write music so i can when i run rehearsals it's a real like it's it's a tight ship there's no we're not drinking we're not fooling there's no people in the room there's no everybody don't talk now don't make noise between songs wait i'll give you instruction it's a real like uh, it's like i run it like a like like an iron fist but Mm -hmm. when we're when it's done i'm polite it's professional but it's uh there's there's no room for and and you know we we rerun it it's not just jamming through a bunch of stuff making a bunch of noise it's like you know we've got a schedule there's an Mm -hmm. agenda and uh if you you ask him the bass player i've called him for the last year two three times a week every day at work or a week at work i'll have the thing all i'll have the headphone on i'm listening to the last practice and i'm hearing what's wrong and i will sing it to you on the phone and i will tell you on the phone (laughs) just you know as i as i discover every little thing i want i i relay it and we talk about it and then it's you know these, some of these guys don't write stuff down. I've got the lists. I've got the notes. And I can't understand people who don't. Like that it's all like you, you're going to remember 40 songs, all the changes in your mind. Some people can, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it makes me nervous when people don't write stuff down. Yeah. Because at least, you know, I'll always write it for everybody. Make three lists. Make it in my hand. You know, yeah. the same for everybody. So we all have the same information. Do you think that makes you hard to work with being so strict? No. No, it's actually a pleasure because it's a discipline. Yeah. So it's just not a bunch of Randy Danny. Like, don't get me wrong. We have fun playing. We enjoy our playing and Rob mm-hmm. playing, you know, our songs, some are 10 minutes long, right? So, you know, we're searching the vehicles, our vehicles for improvisation. So my structure mostly is not AABA, AABA bridge out. It's 
here's this part I'm gonna hold on to this as long as you can and I'm gonna it's unreasonable because I might not look at you for 17 minutes and then I'm gonna look at you for one second and if you're not there I'm gonna get all pissy not pissy but you know I'm gonna expect that I'm gonna look at you and, and I'm gonna get complete yeah. response at that Absolutely. moment unreasonable or not that's just what it is right mm -hmm. you don't want me standing the whole time waiting for you and then make it you know like it's I'll get to you when you when you need it and as long as you're paying attention we're all good right so mm -hmm. and uh, I, I enjoy that I enjoy the freedom of no click track. Not that I can play with computers all day long, and I do it all day long. I can do it with a drum machine, whatever, no problem. But I enjoy the freedom. If I want to go for another round, off you go. I don't have to ask. I don't need a button. I don't. Mm. I just do it, right? Yeah. It's a, I have the freedom to call any part, any time, any song, anywhere, and go on because it's a live, a live improvisational and based on our on our you know how we interact musically as musicians and with the material. Mm -hmm. So the material really facilitates that. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Yeah. I want to talk yeah. to you more about your composing process in just a little bit. We're going to have to take a break, though. We're going to listen to a song. I don't know what it is yet because we haven't picked, but that's okay. All right. When we come back, we'll talk about how you actually write and decide what how to play these, I guess, compositions, compositions. or songs. Sure, or, they are. Um, and uh, and your upcoming shows, which we'll talk about in just a little bit. So everyone, you're listening to the Winnipeg Music Project on 101.5 UMFM. I'm talking with Kumaran Reddy from Silly Sib Fung Hai and... We'll be right back.
And welcome back to the Winnipeg Music Project on 101.5 UMFM. This is Ashley Bienyaj, and I'm talking with Kumaran Reddy from Silly Sib 
fung high. Why is that so hard for me to say? Well, it's, uh, a, it's a mouthful. That's okay. Yeah. Um, so, really quickly, let's do it right now. Promote the upcoming shows. You have quite a few coming up. Um, most recently, or not most recently, that's coming up the, the earliest. The earliest? Yeah. yeah. It's Chug Fest yeah. on July 8th. Uh, to uh, for uh, What is it for? It's uh, for Cancer Care. For Cancer Care. That's, that's right. right. Uh, it's hosted by Return to Roy, and you have right. a bunch of bands playing. It's uh, where is it? It's on Green Ridge and Ridgeville. Kind of Vita, about an hour out of town, southeast. Mm-hmm. So overnight camping, flush toilets. There's a food truck on site. <laughs> there's hydro. So uh, come and stay the night. Don't drive home. Yeah. Stay yeah. out. Relax. Take in the bands. Tickets are fifteen dollars in advance, twenty dollars at the door. If you would like to learn more information about this, I will have the uh, link to the Facebook page on the podcast. So just go to WinnipegMusicProject.com and look up the latest interview with Silly Sib Funghai, and you can find all the information there. Uh, what's the next show? So the next show would be the week after that on the Saturday, the fifteenth, at Old Market Square, Winnipeg Regasoke Festival. So. Uh, We'll be playing there again this year in our regular Saturday afternoon slot at 3. So come on out and enjoy it. It's a nice sunny day. And yeah, that's a real family-orientated show. People really like it. The food's good. Come get the roadie a double. Come see uh, Shanu Dean, Mr. DJ Vibesman. He'll be your sound guy. And uh, he's just a great all-around supporter of the reggae scene. So mm-hmm. It's interesting because all of these festivals, are all or the, these shows are all really different. Radically um, different. Um, I guess cause you you you. When before we started recording, you talked you described the band as a musical chameleons. chameleons. We are absolutely. Uh, we'll go in there and be an actual reggae band for the day, and no one will think anything else. And the next day, like at Chugfest, we're going to be a metal band, like full on metal, hardcore. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we go out to uh, Ribfest uh, later, Ribfest is in August, the last uh, weekend in August, the long weekend in August, and it's supporting the Rotary Club. So it's a great fundraiser for the Rotary Club. There's as a uh, rib cooking contest between teams, and there'll be live entertainment there for the entire three days, starting Friday night right till Sunday night, mm-hmm. rain or shine. I'm imagining. So there'll be a, all. It's all free entertainment. That's and you'll be a folk band. Yeah, yeah. we're gonna go as a folk band that day. <laughs> Undercover as a folk band. Yeah. Yeah. And you also have Angel's Cabin. That's uh, in July as well. Right. On July 20th, uh, it's in Garden. Gardenton. Really beautiful location. I encourage people to come out and go camping there. It's one of the treasures of Manitoba that nobody really knows about. There's a beautiful, huge manicured park with a gigantic stage, covered stage. Uh, so uh, there'll be all kinds of entertainment on that stage for the day. It's a one-day thing. Mm-hmm. Tickets are $10 in advance. Super reasonable. Yeah. And uh, camping's available. So that's really exciting. There's so many events, and I will include links to all of these for everyone who's listening. If you'd like to learn or hear more of Silly Sib Fung Hai, because really, it's if you go to one of these events, it's just going to be a surprise and just it will. new music. You're going to see a different band each time you mm-hmm. see us play. So each one of these sets, we videotape everything, so it'll all be up on the internet eventually. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh yeah, that one last gig that we picked up for four years. I've been bugging Sheldon, the director of Fire and Water, mm-hmm. to get on his festival, and lo and behold. The phone call came. Yes, Thank you, Sheldon. Shout yes. out to Sheldon. Woo. Go shop at his store. <laughs> He's got an antique store out at, uh, um, what's the name of the town where the festival is? Uh, Fire and Water is? Uh, Beats me. Uh, anyway, he runs a, an antique okay. store in okay. town. So that's his So way while you're on your way to Fire and Water, stop yeah, at the antique. Some money in the yeah, store. <laughs> buy something old. Great, yeah. something borrowed or something yeah. blue, whatever. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's so exciting. Um, 
So how about the writing process? I'll yeah, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God you're here. <laughs> so, um, I, I've got I've got the hallmark of my my writing is that I don't know when it's coming. I don't sit down purposely writing. It just slips out at certain points. Most of it comes out fairly complete. Some of it's evolved over time, but mostly it comes out. And like uh, a lot of people are the Bob Dylan storytellers, the balladeers, the troubadour, the big. St- I've got a phrase. Actually, I can't remember which artist said it. Uh, someone fairly significant, and and the and and, and the line was, to, "You should be able to tell your story in five words." Oh. Right. Anything more, you're wasting time. You like the five words has to be the whole. So my stuff is usually based on a phrase, a sentence, or a little stanza. And it kind of gets repeated or brought back. So I don't have very de- depth to my... St- I'm not depth, but I don't have a wordy story to tell. Mm-hmm. It comes very concise, precise, with a few keywords or phrases. Okay. So... Um, and what's... Is there an editing process afterwards? Or is it like, this is no, it? No, yeah, it just really comes out. Yeah, I've got... A, my arrangements are fairly similar in my style because I'm opening it up for improvisation and for interaction, yeah. really. So, you know, if I'm singing the part with the word, that's kind of that. But then it's going to open it up to see how far we can take the exploration. Mm-hmm. It's a vehicle for exploring. And then yeah. when we find we can't go any further, we have something to come back to that brings us to a place together. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my vehicle. Much like a jazz tune out of the fake book. You put yeah. it down, you play the head, you blow for a while, you play the head, you're done. Yeah. That's kind of my approach. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. um, so when you're writing your music, you think I'm going to write in this genre um these are the five words i'm I'm going to write about it really just um i might be plunking around i really like that sound i like that phrase and and it kind of goes like that Mm -hmm. yeah that's really interesting um we actually met at uh the big mix-up right uh which was uh run by uh which police radio uh sam um they they brought a bunch of musicians and uh um the crowd would yell out uh, a topic in a genre, and that sounds pretty much like what, how you write. So right. I guess those events well, were perfect for you. I don't know. I found it very pressure, like a lot of pressure, because I don't, I don't do well on command, mm-hmm. right? You know, I'm relying. We did well because we, you know, it was all that. But and then plus with unknown musicians, all that was really. Yeah. It's not a very easy thing to do. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I thought Tim Haverlock was particularly yeah. good at creating bullshit on command <laughs> it was yeah. really like very creative i kudos to him yeah yeah, cause it's, yeah. One, it's one thing to be like to play um uh, a tune or an idea but then to work right. with other green musicians and then right. to sing about something right that that's sense. the hardest part to me was to because i'm not wordy to start with and then yeah. to do it on command and on demand was yeah. just like i don't i don't really write on demand ever i'm never under that situation where i have to create it right then and there and, and be done so how do you pick the phrase that you want to sing about? Like, how do you know that like this is the one thing that I want to talk about? I uh, I don't know. Like, here's a stanza from a song called "Pretty People." Look at all the pretty people. Some of them are even standing in the air. You know, it's like an or uh, one called "Dripping Sleeve." Or, Where'd you go and catch that nasty thing? Help me, help me, help me! Somebody call the doctor. You know, like these are just I don't know where it just comes. These little like, snippets like of a, a yeah, it's like yeah. stream of consciousness a little bit. Okay. A little bit, and then, and the music comes that way too because I'm just those three chords sound really nice. This progression of this mm-hmm. way, and then, and then it, it it mostly comes out complete. Like and it's not a whole big long writing process for me, and but it's really sporadic. Like it could go two three years without a. I don't know that long, but like it's not like every week or every day. Mm-hmm. Some people are very prolific. Yeah. I'm not prolific that way. And- 
and how far back do you usually go to to choose songs to play? Cause you have you have a ton of material. You're showing me your terabytes of yeah. Of, of there's a lot content. of material. I'm uh, like Tim Butler showed me his book one day. There's like 500 songs in that book. I'm mm. a 50, 75 song guy. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm cycle around that okay. but the beauty is that it's all about improvisation so it's not like you're going to play ccr have you seen the rain it's that same way you there's no room for right you go from here 3.4 minutes whatever right like mm-hmm. play it that way don't you dare even my stuff's all made to be to to provide you with that that uh that opportunity and and how do you how do you bring this music to to the rest of the band so you'll think of an, you'll have your phrase you'll have your idea how yeah. do you bring that so that they can actually reproduce it in a way that you're happy with it so i pretty much bring a cheat sheet it's got some chords mostly everybody i ever work with understands reads writes music even the greatest sight reader they still understand i know what's a c minor what's this i'm talking about the second two six five two five one whatever it is i'm asking for so they speak the language we all speak the language and then on top of that what if they don't speak the language how do well, you communicate across that <laughs> the guys like that, they're all schooled yeah. i only play with schooled guys it okay. turns out Fair enough. you know or you have to have the biggest set of ears in the world that if i play this phrase to you you can play it back to me on your instrument right now Okay. So that's acceptable too. Mm-hmm. But if you can't do that, you need to speak the language because I'm I, I just tab. Whoever invented tab and brought that to the guitar world should be slapped upside the head <laughs> and thrown off a bridge because yeah. it's just as easy to learn to write music and then you're in the game, yeah. right? Why would you learn a false language? Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. So yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. So you have you have. Um... Yeah, I bring the song to him, and then I can actually play the part on the drums. So if the guy isn't, I can actually play it for him by demo. Not, oh, and then the bass player too. I can play him the actual part on the that I'm asking for, literally, because I'm a bass player as well, right? Mm-hmm. Or any of the instruments, the keyboard. I can show you the keyboard part I'm looking for. I tell it to you. And then the thing is, though, really, what I'm looking for in all the musicians I ever play is that I give them a very simple set of instructions and release them to play in their domain with what they bring to the table. Because everyone's a different musician, and that's yeah. what I revel in in the guys I play with. I'm not so interested in forcing. So I will correct where correction is necessary from something I'm particularly asking for, uh, and then. But if there's a, uh, if it's over the line, then I'm going to say. But otherwise, they've got an artistic freedom out the wazoo. That's what, that's what they like about playing music. They have a whole bunch of license, artistic license to go mm-hmm. with. So, that's really it's a it's a musician's band, musician's music. We're not for the average consumer. We're not for the average bar. It just doesn't make sense in that format. It's mm-hmm. it's better at a festival, an art thing, a party, somewhere where people are a little more open to to other than the norm, right? Yeah, it's yeah. To have fun. Yeah, you like to have fun. and yeah. you want to have fun with people, and yeah. that's really interesting. So yeah. I wish I had I had more time to talk to you because it's really interesting to hear your stories and the people that you know and your experiences. So you will have to come back onto the show at some point to just share more stories. Yeah, um, but yeah. we will we will close with one story you were very excited to share with me. You haven't given me any information <laughs> on it. Uh, a forty-eight hour film contest. Okay. Yeah, we've got. Uh, I was recently involved in a contest from. Uh, the big film place on uh, McDermott down there, mm-hmm. you know, the, uh, uh, all the theaters, all the movie making and lessons and all that equipment's down there. So those people have put on a contest. It's happening globally, I think, but they've got their version. They've done it for a bunch of years. It's called a 48-hour film contest. So on Friday night at 5 o'clock, a uh, mass email goes out to, there were 30 teams. Yeah. You were allowed to assemble your team before, have meetings, do whatever you want, but you can't do any filming. You can't do any actual pr- uh, filming or production before. You, uh, and you'd have to like secure your locations if you thought you wanted to use location. 
you don't know if it's going to rain so the key comes with a technical element a theme and one other thing so this year it was you had to have a manitoba composer compose music oh, oh in 48 hours in 48 hours yeah Luckily you could do that yeah. yeah and it had to be a manitoba artist so you had to have that and then uh the technical move was you had to use a cell phone or a webcam so somehow in your oh. thing you had to use that shot or use that in or whole film whatever you thought and then the third thing was it had to be about the uh overcoming adversity so i was involved with two teams so five o'clock the keys come out and sunday you have to turn it in it's a three minute and 40 second long film you have to make, mm-hmm. including the music, including the film, including the editing, including the title, yeah. including the script, including the location. Inclu- so I was on two teams and I actually, uh, one film, I did all the audio, sound effects, editing, mastering. I provided one of my songs and because I had recorded the Winnipeg Mandolin Orchestra under the direction Anna's goes up, I do it every year for their annual concert. Mm-hmm. I have possession of those recordings because I'm the one who do it yeah. and then I provide it to them. I actually called up um, uh, the, the ex-director, uh, Marvin Shatulski. Uh, uh, he's used to be the director for 40 years, mm-hmm. and he wrote. He's a composer. They play his tunes to this day. So there was four compositions of his in that uh, show. So I called him up, Myron. Can I use these in a contest if I want? He gave me full permission. So I actually used one of those. Oh, I wow. had a mandolin orchestra in the soundtrack. That's Who great. do you think had that? That oh, con- yeah. that's a Manitoba composer. It's Manitoba musicians, and and yeah. so am I. So is my song. Blah blah blah. So that was that one. And then there was another team I worked with where I provided two of my songs. I didn't do all the audio mastering of that, but I did uh, the live audio. We had uh, some church scenes, whatever. One's about a residential school. Uh, theme and it was filmed here in this house actually. Oh wow! Yeah, and then the other one is uh, was about a guy uh, overcoming his fear, jumping out of a heights, jumping out of a plane. Oh wow! So I, I uh, and fifteen top films out of the 30, uh, 30 go to Gimli to be shown at the Gimli Film Festival on the same night that we're at Angel's Cabin. So if I win, yeah. either of my two teams get to go there to that. I can't go because I'm going to yeah. be there. Uh-huh. And then there will be a showing here in town. At a later date with all 30 films and then they, they'll have a vote for people's choice that day okay. for so so i'll include a link in that on the podcast people can check that it's, out it's uh here's a big one i go to the general meet and greet at the beginning where all the people are meeting and getting the rules and whatever and i look at this old guy he's got a beard that's greg lesque greg lesque like you played in the guess who you're greg lesque from the pox lesque right right there. Yeah, yeah yeah nobody knows who he is except me and i'm freaking out can i take a picture <laughs> he's like calm down calm. he's like yeah 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 and he was there to be a musician like people signed up as grips as actors they all let the meet and greet there as writers know. as camera operators as editors he was there as a musician as a, like i was yeah. and i'm like i can't believe that someone can come here and get a guy from the guess who to work on his movie that's Crazy. So, but nobody knew who he was because they're all kids. Yeah. Not one person Can't seemed to know beard. who he was. Mm-hmm. Some old hippie guy in the corner. Who's that? Yeah. Oh, I don't want to know my team. Oh, I took pictures, <laughs> man. I was like, oh, that's ah. awesome. Well, so thank anyway, you so much for coming on. Thank yeah. you so much for coming onto the show. I really wish we could keep talking and, and going more in depth. The show's only an hour long, though, so you will have to come back. Uh, you don't have a choice now. Uh-huh. Now that you've been interviewed well, once. Once we get some uh, new music up with the new band, we'll get you to come. Uh, we'll come. Uh, yeah, and maybe we'll have everyone from the band come on and we can talk to you guys. That'd be great. That'd be awesome. So uh, thank you so much again for coming on the show. This is Kumaran Reddy. 
Uh, am I saying ready? It's ready. Yep, yeah, ready. I'm right. Good. Yep. Okay. Let's, yeah, the, let's figure it out now, at least at the end. <laughs> uh, from Silly Sib Fung Hai, this is Ashley Vignesh from the Winnipeg Music Project. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Um, all the links for all the Facebook festival uh, for all of these festivals, the Facebook events will be linked on the podcast, as well as uh, a list of the music that will be had been played during the interview, uh, with and also a link to this 48 hour film contest that you were a part of. So, anything you want to add before we go? Have a great day. Thank you.